this would go viral. I mean, nobody's done. Movie podcast. People have always done. Movie podcast. Yeah, but like not in America with hot people. Hey. Thanks for tuning in to Real Original, and welcome to our new Wednesday at noon publishing time slot. I think this is going to be the norm moving forward. Today we're discussing The Babysitter. My name's Dave. I'm Nathaniel. And this is Ricardo. And I've already gotten spoilers from one of you on how you feel about this movie. I just want to go out there and say that this is one of my favorite October movies to watch at this point for multiple years now. I'm uh, excited to hear the reasons why, because... We're not having a Nate's Corner this episode because there's nothing to talk about with this movie. <laughs> there is so much to talk about. Yeah, on my end, it's not even like I want to hear the reasons why. I want to hear your explanation because I didn't think there was anything that great about this. I mean, we'll get into that. Are you kidding me? Both of you hated it? <laughs> it's going to be that kind of a podcast, huh? We won't We won't shit on you as a person. We'll just talk about the movie. Oh, I'm going to shit on him as a person. <laughs> like, oh, great. you're a terrible person if you enjoy this movie. <laughs> garbage human oh brother but the good news is aside from no nate's corner apparently dave has a lot of facts about this so we're good to go and ricardo i I do want to lead off with a question pointed right at you Uh uh-oh we've had debates about this with multiple movies in the past but did you realize that this was a horror comedy yeah uh so here's the thing uh this actually like this movie was really 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 well done and it hit exactly what it was going for i'm just not the target market at all Like, I'm the last person, like, this movie was going for. Um, My favorite part was the font and then the credits. So, (laughs) not the person uh, that this movie was going for, but I I chuckled a couple times. I just, eh. I just watched the movie before the podcast, and I don't remember laughing, and I don't remember being scared, but I know what they're going for. I did like the special effects and the gore. That was fun. That was good, yeah. I just don't think it lived up to my expectation of horror comedies. The closest I can compare it to in terms of the genre of the movie is is Scream, the first Scream movie, Mm -hmm. where it kind of used the genre tropes and the the stereotypical characters, but made it into a fun twist Mm -hmm. and didn't take itself too seriously. And that's why I love this movie. So I don't know if it's, you may have seen some of these movies, but for me, there's just a lot of movies that do this type of thing better. So like a cabin in the woods, um, yeah, Tucker and Dale versus evil. Oh yeah. Dead alive. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That one's a trip. So there's just a lot of movies that are higher on my radar than what this would, would have been for the horror comedy genre. Totally agree with that. And then for me personally, I was cringing so hard at like the first, like half of the movie until it actually got into the horror part. That first half of the movie for me was just nothing but like, there was no redeeming qualities for it at all. In my opinion, I wasn't laughing. I didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's people out there who, uh, you know, love this, but like I said, you're a garbage human if you do. So I don't give <laughs> I'm a one f- of those people. Be nice. No, I'm not going to be nice. If you like this movie, I don't like you. How about that? <laughs> this is like a Blumhouse movie. It's exactly what it feels like. It wasn't made by Blumhouse, but it's got that feel to it. I was going to say, to be fair, most Blumhouse movies aren't that good. <laughs> there's a few exceptions. All right, so I suppose at some point we should talk about the movie's plot. Sure. This movie is about a very young boy in high school who is, he's basically outgrown the age of having a babysitter, but his parents still get him a babysitter. 
And his babysitter turns out to be like a smoking hot. Is she a senior in the movie? I kind of forget what grade she's in. I think that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. But she's older than him. Mm-hmm. And the movie just kind of goes from there. Some people, uh, one of his friends says that she probably has boys over to have sex at night. And so he stays up real late to see what she does. It turns out she's in like a murder cult and she starts murdering people in his living room Mm -hmm. and he gets discovered and all of the people that are in the murder cult try to kill him one by one. And it's a movie that doesn't take itself seriously. I love every minute of this movie and I watch it every year. Here's my take on this movie. It's for me, it's a blend of Home Alone, Scott Pilgrim versus the world and uh, When a Stranger Calls. Hmm. (laughs) that's my amalgamation of movies for what this movie is like it tried to do the cool juxtaposed juxtaposed like text when he found his rocket or when he found his pocket watch whatever pocket knife which i don't really like when movies do that um i don't know i just had a lot of issues but we can get into more details later i love the words on the screen it feels like a comic book to me that was honestly my favorite part uh i thought the texts were extremely captivating i i I love i'm a nerd when it comes to font like i'm not one of those people who like oh i know that font but (laughs) if it looks good i appreciate it you'll remember that i brought up the font in uh over the top Mm -hmm. um i appreciated that one but that was actually my favorite part of the movie i thought they did those scenes really well my biggest uh fault against this movie is that it it didn't take itself seriously at all Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that cabin in the woods is one of those movies that balances that very well they take itself seriously but not seriously at the same time like they do certain things extremely well while also having those stereotypical tropes and make funny making fun of it but i just I just think that they, the entire time throughout this movie, I got the vibe as, hey guys, we're a quirky, funny horror movie. (laughs) Here we are. And it's just like, okay, I get it. But what else do you got? Right in your face. And the other thing that they had was like hot chicks. And, you know, if I wanted that, well, Google. But anyways. (laughs) And that's part of this movie taking horror tropes and, and turning them on their head is all the people in the murder cult are basically stereotypical murder victims in most Mm -hmm. horror movies. If you were to watch Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, the people that are in the murder cult, the bad guys in this movie, would be the murder victims in those other movies. Right. See, I'm too dumb to pick up on that shit. (laughs) I did not realize that until you just said that. That's actually kind of (laughs) clever. I take back just a little bit of what I said. I'll give this movie a little bit of credit. Just a little bit. I was going to say I picked up on that, but I didn't think it was anything like transformative and the actors themselves. I just am not a fan of like, I remember the dude that played John was like that one really annoying dude that was on Vine. That was big on Vine. Yeah. And so this seeing him right off the bat just pissed me off. And then I'm not a Bella Thorne fan either. So seeing her pissed me off. I do like the buff skinny guy that never ages. I forget what his name is. Uh, The guy that played the jock. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie Amell. I have the cast list in front of me. Nice. He's in a lot of stuff where he plays the jock or like the hot guy. Yeah. And he was in a movie for Netflix that I really liked called Ark. Uh, I think it's called Ark at least. It's spelled A-R-Q. Hmm. I'm not sure if it's an acronym or a word now that I've said it out loud, but <laughs> it's a really fun Groundhog Day movie that is is violent. Basically, like he wakes up and people are breaking into his room 
and the time keeps resetting and it just gets more and more interesting like every time he resets back to his room he's learned more about what's going on and it just kind of weaves in and out of itself really really well but hmm. it's one of the overlooked netflix exclusives check it out why didn't we watch that shit instead i think i would shut up I am trying to spread love and joy to the world with the babysitter. Well, you've failed with me. (laughs) One of the reasons I picked this movie is because I've tried to get so many people to watch it and they've all not watched it. So I was like, I have two captive victims here. (laughs) They're going to watch this. (laughs) Victims definitely accurate. Very accurate. See, I was I was annoyed that you wouldn't let us do uh, let the right one in. So I watched that on my own last week and I really liked it. It was good. Weren't you trying to watch some like Swedish version? Yeah, that is the the original Swedish version. I am not watching no Swedish version. I am watching The Babysitter. I have taste. Yeah, so you should watch a good foreign film. (laughs) He's above foreign films. That's his level of taste here. You have to understand. Well, I hope a Swedish vampire comes and sucks his blood. Ugh. Well, earlier we mentioned uh, Robbie Amell, Andrew Batchelor, and Bella Thorne. Uh, We might as well wrap up the rest of the cast. The main babysitter is played by Samara Weaving, and the young man in the film is played by Judah Lewis. And I think the only person we missed was Sonia, who was kind of like the gothic. She was was dressed kind of French, but she had an Asian complexion, played by Hannah Mae Lee. You know what's really creepy is Samara Weaving is Hugo Weaving's niece. So if you think Samara Weaving's hot, then really you're just saying you have a big crush on Elrond from Lord of the Rings. I have no issue with that. Exactly. I mean, there's plenty of hotter people in Lord of the Rings. I mean, I'm not (laughs) saying that, but... Is there an ugly person in Lord of the Rings? (laughs) Yeah, Gimli. (laughs) Actually, well, Gimli has that beard, and that's pretty sexy, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And she was also in a movie that had a really similar tone and vibe to The Babysitter called Ready or Not. Did you fellas see that? Uh Uh-uh. I've been meaning to check it out. Is it better than this? It's fun. I did not like it as much as this movie, but I can see how you might like it more. Oh, I saw a really funny meme of like Samara or is that how you say it? Yeah. Samara weaving and like, um, what's her face? What's the one from Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, Margot Robbie. It's like four girls that are all different actors, but they look exactly the same. Wait, (laughs) is it pronounced Robbie? I don't know. I've always said Robbie. Who knows? Who's the dumb one here? I have to know. This is important for my <laughs> ego here. Come on. As long as you didn't say Margot, I think you're fine. Listen. Okay, yeah, we all we can all agree those are the real <laughs> idiots here. So on the subject of all the actors and actresses in this movie, uh, one of the cool facts about this is that this movie was on the 2014 Blacklist, which I never understand why they call it the Blacklist, but basically what the Blacklist is in terms of Hollywood screenplays is every year somebody conducts a survey of really high-level executives that review screenplays, and they compile a list of the ten most of the ten best screenplays of that year that went unused, and that's where the babysitter came from. Hmm. I did read that. Um, I don't. I would. I would like to see what else was unused because there might be a reason they were unused. <laughs> Some of the other movies from 2014 were American Made. The movie with Tom Cruise, where he played Barry Seal. Okay. LBJ, the sort of documentary about our president, LBJ. Mm -hmm. And the other Netflix movie, Bird Box, starring Sandra Bullock. Which I also hated. Perfect. Interesting. I avoided that one because I kind of had the thought that I was going to hate it. But I also really like John Malkovich, so I might watch it at some point. I love him and I like Sandra Bullock, but that movie was just, I don't know. Maybe you just hate movies, Nathaniel. 
No, I like good movies, Dave, but uh, we don't seem to see eye to eye most of the time. <sighs> see, I'm definitely in that movie hater. I honestly don't even know I'm in this podcast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day after we've been podcasting for like six years, I'll, I'll let you pick an anime movie. Oh, that that's the day I'm waiting for, Dave. If this was my <laughs> podcast, we'd have already done it. But, you know, I'll respect your wishes and we'll I'll stay <laughs> compliant with your <laughs> movies. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I do occasionally let guests pick movies, so you can always keep that in your pocket. Well, I mean, my dumbass picked that robot movie last time, so hey, who what would I know? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that was a good movie, though. I have good taste. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what movie that was. <laughs> go watch it. We have, Go look at the list of uh, real original. Be a true fan. Binge. Be a true fan. <laughs> Figure it out. The director of this movie, McGee, He's directed some movies that I quite appreciate, including Charlie's Angels Full Throttle and my favorite Terminator movie, Terminator Salvation. If you say Terminator Salvation is your favorite, then I like I don't even know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I don't really like the Terminator franchise, which is why I like Salvation the most. Uh, I don't know, man. I hate it so much. I've never watched it. So I think I got you beat there. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing for the Terminator franchise is getting rid of Arnold. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's pretty badass as Terminator. But not as cool as Robert Patrick. He well, yeah, but that's that's a whole other story. We should do T two someday. Okay, I'm down. I, I've never seen it all the way through, so that'd be fun. Is that the one where he's riding like with the um, lever action shotgun on the motorcycle? Hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, that's one of the best. <laughs> you know, I've never watched the movies, but I know exactly what scene you're talking about, and it's <laughs> badass. Exactly. And what was extra badass about it is that it was all done practically back then, which is what's wrong with the new Terminator movies is like everything's CGI. Nothing has weight to it. It just, it looks like people are playing a video game and they expect you to take it real seriously. How's that your favorite one then? I don't think Salvation looked bad. I also haven't seen it in a few years, but when I say the Terminator games look like a video game, I'm referring to Dark Fate, the newest one. Mm. Oh, okay. It was bad, like so much. I didn't even know there was another new one. (laughs) Yeah, there was a new one that retconned everything after T2. Oh. So like the Terminator, like canon is so far twisted into a pretzel that it's, it's just bad. I only consider one and two as the canon, so. Well, you're in luck. (laughs) Also, just to be an asshole, I want to point out that we're only 14 minutes in and have already run out of content to talk about this movie. (laughs) We have not run out of content. We've been on a small tangent and we're going to get back to it. McGee, the director of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. I hate you both. Oh, that's not true. Dude, that that sounds like a really good late night McDonald's item. The McGee. Yeah. Ooh. I'm not sure what would be on it, but it sounds good. Yeah, what would be on it? What would what would be the product? Probably splurt ketchup all over you. No, no, no. It's a uh, it's a new <laughs> meal plan sponsored by G Unit. Dude. Because oh, they've like... been doing that lately. What the hell are you doing answering phones? You need to be working at McDonald's f- marketing right now. Send them this podcast. You'll get a job. <laughs> I'm holding up for a Disney job, so I'll Hey, back to the movie. Stop. You're <laughs> doing it again. <laughs> Okay, Mick G, he really reminds me of another director that everybody loves to hate on, and I understand why, Michael Bay. Oh. Mick G's movies feel like Michael Bay movies, except with more emotional investment and more through plot lines, more understandable plot lines. Hmm. But the way his movies look is they, they very much cater to the male gaze, and they always kind of feel like, and I mean this with the utmost compassion, and you guys are going to laugh at this, but... 
McGee's movies feel like a 90 minute Mountain Dew commercial. <laughs> they do. They definitely do. I was going to say like seizure inducing. Is that what you like in a movie? Like all of his quick cuts don't do it for me. That, that was another thing. And I can totally see how you say that with Michael Bay because all of his. And then the other thing that made me like almost nauseous are they like POV cameras of like the kid running away from someone. Oh, I love those. It's like watching. um, What's it called? Cloverfield, but which like made me almost throw up. Really? I can't do that. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> do you play first person shooter video games? Yeah, but that's different. How is it different? Because it's not like jogging everywhere and shaking and rattling right in your face. Okay, fair enough. I really liked the POV shot where the main kid, Cole, when his parents are leaving. B, call us if there's any trouble, okay? Cole, don't cause any trouble. And it does a POV shot from his perspective of just like watching the parents leave the house and say goodbye. I love that shot. I thought it was great, especially the part where the camera catches him in the mirror. I actually don't really know how they shot that unless they just CGI out the cameraman. Maybe. I mean, the world may never know. Th- we're leaving it at a pretty low bar, you know, comparing it to Michael Bay films. So I'm not going to say that they use practical effects. 100% CGI. Well, <laughs> you say it's a low bar, but Uh-oh. guess who the most profitable movies of the last decade have been made by? You know, that's the point. We're not trying to make money, Dave. We're trying to make artistic movies. Boom. <laughs> I will say I do enjoy the Bad Boys franchise. Ugh, not for me. I don't like Michael Bay's movies. I I get where he's coming from, and, and the fact that he used to direct music videos and commercials, especially for uh, Victoria's Secret, you kind of understand why his movies are the way they are. <laughs> I just looked it up, and he's he's doing Quiet Place too. That's, oh, he's just a producer. Yeah, he produced the first one he, as well, though. It's it's produced okay. by his company, so... I thought he was directing it, and I was like, oh. To be 100% real, though, I mean, I couldn't do a thing Michael Bay does, so I have nothing to actually complain against him. I think it's always funny when people shit on him, because it's like, dude, you couldn't make a YouTube video go viral, <laughs> let alone a Transformers <laughs> franchise? Come on. Yeah, you couldn't even get a podcast above 60 listen. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Um, hey it's okay we only need to hit 2,000 listens to make $20 yeah I'm not enrolled in that so (laughs) yeah I'm not a big fan of Michael Bay's movies but I do like Mick G and I I do see how they're similar as filmmakers Mick G he likes to hide fun things throughout his movies like in the scene in the beginning where Cole is fighting the school nurse to get his shot there's a huge poster on the door (laughs) that says gonorrhea is not nice what? <laughs> yeah. I did see that. I laughed for like two minutes straight. I had to rewind the movie because I've never caught that before. And it just it just made me giggle. And there's stuff like that all over the place. Like the supermarket where we first see the babysitter B with her victim. There's a sign out there that they stand by. And, and I think it says like blow away prices or really good prices, something like that. But when they stand by it, the sign is framed in a way that it just says blow me. Oh my God. And I love that kind of stuff that just like the humor in the background. It kind of reminds me of Bojack Horseman. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like the humor in general in this movie in the dialogue is also what threw me off because it really just relied on like saying dick and pussy all the time, basically. And it just felt like shitty high school attempt at humor. And that's another thing that threw me off that I didn't really like about it. 
See, I can appreciate the, I agree with you as far as like those things that they said up front. I didn't really find that funny, but here's the problem. And this is why sometimes I question why I'm on this podcast. I'm way too dense to pick up those clever actual instances <laughs> in the background. I'd never, I, again, first time I'm hearing about this because I just completely missed it. And that to me is genius. And again, I'll give this uh, movie a little bit more credit now that Dave has pointed that out. Um, but yeah, uh, that's hilarious. You actually explain exactly why you're on the podcast. We bring you on here to make us look better. Oh, well, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. That's usually why I'm around. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Put it back in the deck. Okay. Um, speaking of the humor in the movie, I love the dialogue. Everything about the dialogue and the setup of this movie just intrigues me so fully. Because it all feels like a subversion. The The shy kid in high school that doesn't have a girlfriend and... He gets picked on by over-the-top bullies that are just, like, <laughs> not real people at all. Everything in this movie is taking tropes and just playing with them and, like, just jumping into them 110%. Yeah. I understand the tropes that they're going for, and I think they do do that well. I just had a problem with the dialogue in general. I just felt like it was weak, and they just were using, like, crass filler words just because they were trying to make it funny for high school kids or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to chalk it up to this just not being I'm not the target market. I did actually appreciate uh, the relationship that they created between the main character and the um, uh, the babysitter. Uh, I actually thought they did a pretty good job of that. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, B. Yeah, B, but the actress. Oh, um, Samara Weaving. Yes, I think she did a pretty good job when it came to having that entire attitude of the cool hot chick that's a babysitter who you have a crush on but is totally never going to do anything with you because hey guess what you're a 10 year old <laughs> but i think i think she nailed that uh that was the part i actually did enjoy about the first half of the movie um but when it got into the actual part um from uh like the actual horror part that's yeah. when it, i think that they leaned into the tropes a little bit too much you said 110 percent, and that's where i think it, i it lost me which is i don't think they were aiming for me um i would appreciate it more if it was like 90 maybe 80 but the 110 percent is where it lost me but that's where it got you so hey there you go yeah i'm a fan of a lot of the stephen king movies because they kind of have this vibe of being a horror movie that doesn't take itself seriously and in all of Stephen King's movies, he establishes some of these tropes like the bullies and the small town and getting picked on and not having a girlfriend. There's normally a psychic somewhere, but that wasn't in The Babysitter. But what I'm trying to say is I really like tropes and just playing with them in any way that you can. So that's probably one of the reasons why I like this movie so much. It's because you have taste. <laughs> I have bad yeah. taste. I like bad <laughs> movies. I, I am a solid Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan. So I've I've been trained to enjoy bad movies. There you go. All right, what else you got for us, Dave? Any any other big brain busters? Yeah, I've got lots of things to talk about. You're this is going to be our longest podcast episode ever, okay? Oh God. Oh, good, perfect. No, I just wanted to keep you on track so you don't go <laughs> off on a tangent again. Okay, so you're gonna lose our listeners, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was done on the okay, anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the dialogue in this movie, I love some of the things said, like going back to that scene with the nurse, the nurse just says, it, it seemed kind of random. He said, take the shot, just like you'd take some ass. 
step over here and take the shot just like you take some air yeah and he says that to this little cowardly boy and and it just it, again it just makes me laugh and it just gets me invested you know what's weird though right that you just mentioned that is the scene where she tries to get him to take a shot of alcohol in the house that's actually drugged so that she can take his blood Oh, yeah, there's I don't think it's good foreshadowing, but I guess that could be foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, there's lots of stuff like that. Like when he's knifing his remote controlled car apart. Right. He mentions right, yeah. how he wants to lower the hood so that it can get more drag and do a better mm-hmm. barrel roll. And then in the finale of the movie, he steals a car and does a perfect barrel roll into the house. Yep. Yeah, I think I guess that's one thing that at the time when I watched it, I thought it was just too obvious was like how they were showing all of those plantings like with the knife with the spiders under the house with the car everything but to your point if they're going for just exaggerating the tropes then i can understand how they're just like oh pay attention to this this is gonna come in like (laughs) yeah um so i guess i'll give it some credit for that at least but yeah there was another one that i'm having trouble thinking of that was a clear omen to the future but i can't think of what it was him trying to use the knife and getting it stuck in the dishwasher yeah the knife not being there that was a funny scene mm-hmm. i was just <laughs> upset the first time i saw it I was like this smart ass kid who's planning about this entire car and all the aerodynamics and he's using a knife take a what <laughs> but of course again i'm just too dense to pick up on the joke apparently so there you go hey real men use whatever tools they have at their disposal and he didn't have a screwdriver <laughs> yeah see, that's exactly i don't know <laughs> but he had a pocket knife dude he should have had a swiss army knife then he could have used a screwdriver in there yeah seriously swiss army knife swiss army man let's do exactly yeah great movie so 28 minutes into this <laughs> You just gloss right over Swiss Army Man. That's what I'm giggling. Same. Yeah, I'm I'm moving away from it. I don't want to talk okay. about it. Right. Keep, keep going. Fair, fair. Uh, I, I have completely deleted that movie from my memory. There's nothing memorable about it at all. Okay. Mm. So, mm. on to better movies. 28 minutes into The Babysitter. <laughs> I have trouble saying that with a straight face. Um, is the first kill of the movie. So... The cult has a new kid in there that he doesn't really fit in. He's kind of a nerd where they're all beautiful people, just like the apex of humanity's fitness. Uh, But the new kid, he kisses B at some point, and then she just like grabs two huge knives above his head and slams them into his head. And this big text comes up on the screen that says, what the f***? It takes up like half the screen and that's when the movie kind of gets going. And as the first kill, it really changes the tone of the movie. The 28 minutes prior to that, we're all lovey dovey with just, you know, small town problems, family problems. And then the first kill is just filled with gore and it is so much fun. I did like the gore in this movie. I'll, I'll, that's one thing that I liked about it. Um, but I, I love how the, the he, they're trying to fill up the cups for the sacrifice. And he's like, oh, I think this side's just not working. And he just gushes down his throat. Just yeah. like all over. That did get a chuckle yeah. from me. That was good. And then, like I said, those those scenes where they build it up to like a text, I think those were done so well. Like the freeze frame, pop that mm-hmm. text. It was gorgeous. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those as well. Shortly after the sacrificial guy gets killed at the kissing party, some cops come and... <laughs> the jock in the movie played by Robbie Amell, he throws this like fireplace poker through a cop's head mm-hmm. and the cop is still alive. It doesn't kill him somehow. And while the cop is like 
sputtering around, holding his gun out. He shoots Bella Thorne in the boob. <laughs> Did you like that scene, Nate? No, I wish he would have killed her. Oh, come on. That scene was funny. The bullet took her across the room. How's it funny? She's just like, oh, my God, my boob. Oh, my God. For like 10 minutes. Those are her only lines in the movie. Is her screaming about her boobs. Yeah, that's the character she was playing. She, <laughs> she was playing the cheerleader that was obsessed with her body. I thought those were kind of fun. What, the boobs or the kills? Why not both? <laughs> um, but with the, the uh, scene where he throws the uh, fireplace, whatever thing of the Bob it is, uh, at the cop. I loved how they made a Black Lives Matter joke with King Botch and at the same time they also had the cop have enough discipline to not shoot the black guy or anybody else despite his partner getting killed um and i i actually did appreciate that moment cuz it kind of builds into the trope of just how stupid everything is so i did actually like that scene so yeah yeah it felt like it carried some respect and also used social situations in a form of satire that wasn't offensive yeah, yeah. i mean as well as it can be done by, you know, a former Vine turned TikTok turned just general social media star, it was good. Yeah, I liked it too. And then that transitions to my favorite part of the scene where Robbie Amell grabs the fireplace poker and cracks open the cop's head like a freaking Pez dispenser. <laughs> I wish we would have seen that more though. Yeah, they must not have had the budget for that kill because they do kind of cut away from it real quick. Yeah. I noticed that as well. <laughs> I wanted to see it like a popcorn kernel exploding. The gore that we did get was good and interesting, but uh, yeah, I agree. Like also with the, uh, what's the, uh, what was the Asian character's name? Um, Sonia. What's her name? Sonia. Uh, like you didn't see the explosion scene with her later on, mm -hmm. you know, she dies from an explosion. Um, and, and I felt like they kind of cut out some of the gore opportunities and maybe that was budget, but. I, I like honestly okay this is just going to show how fucked up my mind is but um man I'm giving you a lot of things to censor here sorry Dave but <laughs> anyways and I'm being a good boy yeah we finally flipped rolls look at that <laughs> but with her being underneath the house and him screwing in like that fence that would have been a perfect opportunity for them to like plaster her like oh this is going to sound fucked up uh, her face just completely de-skinned from her head, just up against the gate, and then just be like, "Oh yeah, there's the joke." That would've been cool. Yeah, I don't think they had the. Budget, I think though. I think the reason they didn't show the explosion like that is because they, he, he McGee didn't want us to make parallels to Michael Bay during this podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> but too late. Didn't want real explosions. <laughs> All right, so that's most of my talking points. Do you boys have anything else to bring up about the movie? I thought you said you had a ton. I have more. I have more things, but they're not talking points. What would they be? How are they not talking points? That they're things. Yeah. They're essay questions. Oh. It's homework. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. What is it? Is it an oral exam? Exactly. I'm gonna put you boys on the spot. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's do that. Because I don't have anything to say about this movie. <laughs> um. Ah. Uh, I mean, it's it's again 
going to say the same thing I've been saying throughout. If you like this type of movie, you're going to enjoy it. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, I think they scored it at like a 70-some percent. So there's a good amount of people who do enjoy this movie. But if you're a dumbass like me, skip it. Here's the thing. is If you're looking for a movie that is horror comedy, this is one that like you should go through the long list of good movies first. And then if you have nothing else and you want that, then you can watch this movie. And let's be real. While those other movies you listed were and are better than this movie... Can you really fill out much more of the entire list of horror comedies? There aren't that many. Yeah, What We Do in the Shadows, Shaun of the Dead, Zombieland. There's more. That's fair. I can't help here because I don't enjoy horror comedies in general. <laughs> I honestly, the first time I watched Cabin in the Woods, hated it. Um, and then I rewatched it again and I'm like, oh, I just have no appreciation for, you know, ironic shit. <laughs> cabin in the woods is okay it feels like there's two different movies going on see like where this movie mixed horror and comedy all into one plot line and one cohesive narrative cabin in the woods feels like there is a horror movie going on in one room and a comedy going on in a different room yeah and it kind of cuts back and forth between the two so yeah, I, agree. I don't like that concept as much but i do like cabin in the woods quite a bit I do. Have you? I don't remember if you said earlier for Dead Alive. Have you seen that? I've not. Okay, that was like Peter Jackson's like first project in film school, I believe. So it's like super low budget, but it's just like insanely over the top, gory and hilarious. I highly recommend it. Yeah, sounds fun. There's like a half an hour scene where he's like chasing around a demon baby and just like kicking it across across a playground and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. <laughs> yeah. You sold me at Demon Baby. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Are you boys ready for Dave's trivia? Let's do it. All right. First up, Cole wearing his yellow shirt for much of this movie. It might be the entirety of the movie. He has a yellow button-up shirt on. Which Arrested Development character did he remind you of? He didn't remind me of him, but Michael Bluth. George, George Michael, Michael Bluth. Yeah, George Michael. yeah. <laughs> he's he's exactly the George Michael Bluth character. He's shy. He's timid. He's not good with the gals. He's awkward. He's like soft-spoken. <laughs> like you could swap them in their shows and nobody would notice. The awkwardness from George Michael is so palpable, though. Like this kid was just like a nerd kid. You know what I mean? Like. Michael Sarah makes me feel uncomfortable when I watch Arrested Development. <laughs> that's how awkward he is. Well, that's just all the incest. True. Ugh. Arrested Development is the only thing I've liked Michael Sarah in. I really don't think I've ever liked him in anything else. You don't like Superbad? I do not. Mm. I do not like Superbad. I, I saw it when it was freshly new, and I think I laughed twice in the whole movie. And it wasn't at the parts everybody else was laughing at, so it just <laughs> wasn't for me. See, I refused to watch that movie because when it came out back when I was a freshman... Everybody, I don't know, I, I've never seen it, so I don't get the joke, but everybody called me McLovin, um, and I've just never bothered to figure it out. Yeah, that movie. that's the stupid thing about that movie is kids just called kids McLovin to make fun of them, and it didn't even make sense. <laughs> well, that makes me feel better. It's a good movie, though. All right, next up in Dave's trivia. We'll do this one one at a time. Uh, Nate, you can go first. What was your favorite death in the movie? Ooh, good question. Um... She didn't die, but I did like when the, after the police officer got stabbed through the eye and he just is like hobbling, like totally paralyzed and just fired <laughs> his gun on accident. I did like that scene a lot, but she didn't end up dying. Spoiler alert. 
Um, so I guess that's not technically a death. I did like how he killed the second cop though. That was cool. The second cop, she cut his throat. Yeah. It was just, it was just cool. Yeah. He's just like staring at her and he's like, it's a tension filled scene. And she just walks up and slits his throat. Ricardo, who was your favorite death? Honestly, uh, gonna have to go with that cop again. Honestly, uh, the, the cop with the eye, I thought that was the best scene as far as the killing itself was concerned. I think they, again, missed huge opportunity with Sonya. Yeah, the Sonya death was pretty lackluster. My favorite death in the movie, I think, is the first sacrificial kill. Because I remember the first time I saw this movie, I literally said, what the f*** out loud right as the movie was writing it on the screen <laughs> and i just found that to be like wildly entertaining <laughs> and so like he gets stabbed with two gigantic knives right in the brain and he stays alive for a really long yeah time. <laughs> and he he mixes up the word purpose with porpoise and mm-hmm. they kind of make fun of him as he's dying and spraying blood out of his head and just that like tone change in the movie was was and is very enjoying for me i, I love it I think the Sonya death would have been really cool if he shot the rocket and instead of it missing, it went like straight down her throat when she screamed from the mouse traps or the spider traps. Oh, shit. That would have been awesome. That's better than my idea. <laughs> and then like the top part of her body flies out of the the entry <laughs> hole and just lands on the ground. Exactly. <laughs> Get this to Mick G now. Well... I do have good news for you boys about the deaths in this movie. Oh no. They made a sequel to this movie. I oh, haven't seen no. it yet. I I was hoping to revisit the babysitter before yeah. seeing the sequel, and that's kind of that was the main reason why I picked it, but also just to torture you. You selfish bastard. <laughs> I spent some time reading reviews and watching videos, and it doesn't sound like the second one's even anywhere near the first one. I'll watch it and let you guys know what I think, but I imagine that's where it's going to land. Yeah. Maybe your interpretation of the second one will be my interpretation of the first one. Ooh, wouldn't that be meta? Interesting. Then you played yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But I have also supported to the greater babysitter expanded universe. It's going to be the new Marvel. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Mark my words, five years from now, there's going to be like... The Babysitter 4 Reloaded. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if uh, Bella Thorne stays in them with her OnlyFans now. Oh, yeah. I forgot that she did that. Wait, she has an OnlyFans? Yeah, and she claimed that she only did it to like... Guys, I, I'm, I'm done with the podcast. <laughs> I'll see you later. She made $1 million on her first day on OnlyFans. Holy shit. Yeah, it's this huge thing. Like... What is it with Bellas and like doing weird stuff online? Because the only <laughs> other Bella I know is Bella Delphine. Are you guys familiar with her? Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was really hoping you didn't know who she was. I have her. It is... I have her bathwater sitting next to me right now. Oh my god! <laughs> is that what you've been drinking? <laughs> yeah, my neck beer is coming in really well. Oh, For context. Shit. And I'm sure there's people listening to this that don't know about her. Bella Delphine sells gamer girl bathwater on the internet, and it's it's often sold out. It's a very popular product, and it's just the worst of gamer culture and masculine toxic toxicity all in one. <laughs> yep, it's just. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna ever put down anybody for you know being a G and grinding. What's the word I'm looking for? Swindling? No. 
what's the word I'm looking for when hustling. somebody hustling? Thank you. Anybody who's hustling on some fools, because that's exactly what she's doing. So I'm not going to ever put her down for that. I'd do the same thing if I was her, to be honest. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe most of the people that bought her bathwater actually ran out of water at their house. And so they just really <laughs> needed it. The people of Flint, Michigan are like, finally. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally, someone's doing something to help us. <laughs> Give me that Philadelphia water. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think we're going to get kicked off of Spotify, dude. No, please. There's way worse out there. I don't know. We have Dave on the <laughs> podcast already, so we don't have a lot of leeway here. <laughs> okay. Getting off, getting away, I should say, from <laughs> Bella Delphine's bathwater. Got one more question for you boys, and this is a tough one. So you might need to think on it for a few. Okay. If you were picking your intergalactic dream team five crew members to save the world who's on your dream team dude i I, honestly i love that entire thing uh in the movie i thought that was pretty cool a little stereotypical uh like i think they picked overly nerdy characters Mm -hmm. but i think that was also part of the trope that they were going for um what are the rules on this any fictional like space character uh, any character from fiction it doesn't have to be space. Like you could pick Super Mario if you wanted to. <laughs> okay, give me a second. Yeah, I need to think here. You can tell I'm old because I call him Super Mario. <laughs> oh my god! Does it have to be five? Uh, well, you could be. You could do less than five. Okay, because I might have trouble even coming up with five. <laughs> He's picking us, Ricardo. I hope you know that. <laughs> oh well, we ain't gonna save shit. <laughs> do we have to give reasons as well? Yes, you have to justify your pick. Okay. Are we included in the five? You are the author authoring the mission. Okay. Now you can put yourself in the five if you want to. Okay. All right, I've got mine. Go ahead, Nate. Give us your five characters. All right. So we've got Triple H from the WWE Wrestle Universe. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, Then we've got... Paul Revere, just because he's a seemed to be a stand-up guy and worried about his own, so I think he'd be good supportive-wise on the team. Uh, we've got Gandhi to diffuse any heated arguments that may occur among the crew so that we can work together. Then I've got Spider-Man, just because he's Spider-Man. And then I have Paul Dano as my fifth because he's a good actor. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to just say that was amazing just because of Triple H. I mean, I don't know if I could top that. I wasn't expecting it. You could have just stopped it there. No, Ricardo, we're not stopping it there. Okay, fine. You have a duty. All right, so let's see. Well, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and just pick some of my favorite uh, just anime and Star Wars characters because that's all I really care about. Um, So we're going to go ahead and go with Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course, because I don't need to explain. It's (laughs) Obi-Wan. I mean, come on. He's your only hope. Hello there. That's all he needs to do. (laughs) Um, After that, we're going to go with uh, Urahara Kisuke from Bleach, one of my favorite characters. If you know who that is, he's a super genius, super cool captain, former captain. Anyways, uh, classic character uh, throughout anime, Monkey D. Luffy. I had to bleach my eyes after watching Swiss Army Man. (laughs) Good one, man. That that wasn't forced at all. (laughs) (laughs) Go to hell. So Monkey D. Luffy, because that dude just never gives up. Um, then we're going to go back to Star Wars. I'm just going to have to pick Palpatine. I mean, mastermind of everything and just come 
completely destroyed an entire regime of Jedi for thou that lasted for thousands of years. Man, I want him on my team. Is that four or five or three? I haven't been counting. I think that was four. We're at four. Okay. And then let's see the final character. Hmm. Let's go with Light Yagami from Death Note because you always just need that overconfident bastard who's kind of smart, but not really, you know, that person that I can relate to. That's why he's on the team. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Speaking of Death Note and movie podcast. Hmm? Uh-oh. It hasn't been released yet, has it? Oh, it's been released. Oh, I thought it was delayed. Yeah, the Netflix one, I'm not... Uh, uh, Aren't they remaking it, though? I thought they were remaking it. I ain't watching it. I, I, I have no faith in <laughs> a live-action anime anything anymore. What about the new live-action Avatar that's coming out? Uh, <laughs> don't talk about that. Well, I've seen Death Note, so I can speak to it a little bit here, Ricardo. It definitely doesn't work. That's what I'm going to say up front, is it doesn't work at all. But... There are elements to it that we can clearly see as building blocks to making it work. If you guys remember, like, superhero movies in the 90s, like Daredevil and uh -huh. uh, what else? Like, some of those Batman movies by Joel Schumacher that sucked. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they were terrible movies, but they laid the groundwork for what we now have as the Marvel Universe. They, they were testing the waters to see what worked. And that's what Death Note feels like. It feels like, okay. especially... And, oh my god, I'm so bad at anime terms. Um, what are the demons called in Death Note? Shinigami. Okay, thank you. Uh, the Shinigami is voiced by Willem Dafoe in the oh. live-action movie. Yeah. And the way they shoot him, the way he's voiced, the way he acts is 110% win. Oh, yes. A dream. I like that. Dreams are places you can have fun, right? It's all in your mind, so why not enjoy it? Perfect, yes. Yeah, it is perfect casting. It's perfect voice work. I mean, I was going to say, you can't do better than Willem Dafoe for like an evil type character, but usually. Yeah, so the Death Note movie was really close to being something special and hitting the mark, but it, it did miss. But <laughs> it, it's kind of an interesting footnote into something that we're going to be seeing a lot more. Like Probably. Uh, we're going to be seeing more and more live-action anime adaptations coming soon, so if you are interested in that as a genre, you should check it out. Um, Dave, what's your Family Force 5 or whatever the hell this thing's called? Family Force 5. The Intergalactic Dream Team. Oh, okay, sorry. Ugh, it's like you barely watched the movie. <laughs> God. Yeah. Captain Planet and his trusty team of superheroes? Oh, my God. Ugh, Captain Planet. I, I, no, Captain Planet's not on my team. Okay. <laughs> I have to agree with Cole on my leader, uh, Admiral Adama from the 2004 Battlestar Galactica. He's the leader of my team. So next up, I have Shell, the main character from Portal. Okay. Interesting. Because Shell is an infiltration and reconnaissance expert. She can get anywhere. She can solve puzzles, take out cameras and turrets. She can do it all. And when you pair her with my next two choices, Master Chief and the Doom Guy... Oh. They're just going to be infiltrating, taking everything out. Like, Master Chief or the Doom Guy by themselves are fine. Combining them, planets destroyed. Like, don't have a chance. It's like the Bash Bros. <laughs> the what bros? The Bash Bros from Mighty Ducks. Oh, wow. You can't just drop Mighty Ducks references on me. <laughs> hey, I've got that. 
That was my favorite. I haven't seen that in two decades. Nah, Bash Bros are classic. They always gonna f- shit up. I, oh, I want I want them on my team. Actually, <laughs> I take back. Let's kick off some of those other anime characters. Put on the Bash Bros. Oh yeah, he did say you can have duos. <laughs> all right, who's your fifth, Dave? To wrap it all up, in case it's a mission that doesn't require bullets and death and and mayhem, my last character is actually Michael Eisner, the former CEO of the <laughs> Disney Company. What? What is your thing with Disney tonight? I, well, I, I don't like Disney as a company, so I, I like to bash on them whenever oh, okay. I can. So <laughs> there's that. Michael Eisner is a brilliant businessman in a very like selfish, self-destructive way. Yeah, his His things make a lot of sense in the short term, but don't prepare for the long term at all. So by planting Michael Eisner on any sort of planet or any sort of situation, it means that he's going to kill it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I appreciate the very obvious and clear thought that you have put into this question, or I mean this answer, because that was perfect. It's a dream team. Applause. (laughs) Thank you for the applause. (laughs) You're welcome. It's deserved. (laughs) All right, fellas. I think that wraps up the babysitter. Anything to add? Any extraneous thoughts? Anything lingering? No, I just think we need to do one that's like super out there for the people that listen. Like what? Yeah. I don't know. Just like something that no one's seen before. That's just crazy. I don't like, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Fair enough. Just some random Mexican movie from like the seventies. Or we did talk about this. We could do uh, um, from dust till dawn. That one's wild. That'd be fun. It's Tarantino, right? Uh, it's written by him, but it's directed by Robert Rodriguez, I believe. Oh, and he's in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a fun one. Also, as long as we're picking bad movies, I've, I nominate Kung Pao. That is not a bad movie. Kung Pao is fun. People don't like it, like surprisingly. Uh, 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, 14% <laughs> Metacritic. The movie's gold in my opinion, but. <laughs> and a lot of people haven't watched it. Have you ever realized that Kung Pao Enter the Fist named the Wii U Nintendo console? Because there's a character in Kung Pao named Wii U. (laughs) I never realized that. Holy crap. (laughs) That's funny. You just blew my mind. That's why I have a podcast, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) To blow minds. Anyway, what's coming up next for the podcast is we should be publishing an episode on Enola, the new Netflix exclusive about Sherlock Holmes' sister. On November 4th, that's what's coming next. Thank you for coming out and recording with me, Nate, Ricardo. I'm sorry you didn't like the movie, but hopefully we get one that y'all like a little bit more next time. For sure. Swiss Army Man. (laughs) No. Thank you any listeners that tuned in and and listened to this episode. We very much appreciate it. If you'd be willing to share the podcast on social media, that would be super groovy. We're looking into establishing a social media presence, but we still don't have one as of yet. So any shares are 10 out of 10. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.